Praise God. I preached an entirely different message uh, in the first service. You might want to get the CD on it. We talked a lot about how that God is for you. And one of the ways that He is for us is by giving us favor. Amen? We talked at length about how that God said, I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Amen? God with us is God's favor upon us. And then we looked at Psalm 91, which says, I will be with him in trouble. Those that set their love upon me, I will be with him in trouble. Not just with us in the trouble so that we can feel good. No, he's with us in the trouble, in the test, and in the trial to deliver us. You see, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of most of them. No, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them. Amen. And I said something very vital and something extremely important that I think you want to perk your ears up for a moment. I'm going to preach a whole message on it sometime. We get excited about the fact that the Lord is on our side, but the question needs to be answered, are we on His side? Yes, the Lord is on our side, undoubtedly, but are we on His side? Are we for what He's for? Are we involved in what He is in? See, God is not in a lot of things that we're in. Amen? So if we're going to see maximum benefit out of our relationship with God, we must be on His side. Well, how do I know what His side is? Open the book. Open the Bible. You'll see what He's for. You'll see what it means to be on His side. And then we get excited, and don't misunderstand me. I could dance, I could shout about it all day long. We get excited about how the Lord is with us. But the question is, is are we with Him? Are we with Him? You see, in life, with man... There are mucho impossibilities. With man, with medical science, it's impossible to get healed of an incurable disease. With this natural world system, it's impossible to do or to attain a lot of things. So if we are going to live our life with man and on man's side, which is a much lower, lower level than living on God's side, we'll just have to put up with zero results. But I have discovered this. Even though with man it is impossible, with God. Come on, somebody. With God. Say it with me. I'm with God. I'm with Him when He said I'm healed. I'm with Him when He said He meets my needs. 
I'm with him when he said in his word that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, whether you get results in life depends on who you're with. Who are you with? Yeah. Amen. Amen? Amen. Maybe you've gone to a, 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 a place where it was by invitation only. And you came up to the door. And your name was not on the list. And I said, sorry, you can't get in. Because your name's not on the list. Then all of a sudden, a great big stretch, uh, stretch limousine pulled up. And the owner of the restaurant came walking by. And said, oh, he's with me. And you got in. Well, our God's much greater than the owner of a restaurant. <coughs> he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And he said, he's with me. She's with me. They're with me. Come on in. Enter in. So whether you get results in life or not, depends on who are you with. Are you with yourself? Are you with the ungeneration? The unthankful? The unholy? The ungrateful? Are you with the generation that is self-serving? Are you or are you, are you with God? Say with me, I'm in. I'm all the way in. I'm with God. And because you are with God, what does it do? It removes all impossibilities. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting it like I got it. Woo, but say it with me. I'm with God. God's with me. And I'm with God. So there is this generation, even in the church, and I'm not here to scold anybody. I'm here to bring a blessed word to you today. I'm here to build you up. But even in the body of Christ, there are so many people that are self-serving. God set them free. But the difficulty is oftentimes is they haven't done much with their freedom other than using it for an occasion to the flesh. Right? Now, our text today says this in Galatians, the fifth chapter and the 13th verse. How many of you believe for utterance today? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to our hearts today and encouraging us with a great word in Jesus' name. Amen. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty or freedom. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love... Serve one another. So we see here that we're called to freedom, we're called to liberty, and that's good news. But it is possible to use our liberty wrongly. We have been called, we have been saved not to sit. We have been saved not to consume life upon our own lusts. But we have been called to be free, free to serve. We are saved to serve. Bob Dylan got it right. He said, you're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. And as for me and my house, we've chosen to serve the Lord. How about you? 
How about you? Who have you chosen to serve? Verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We are instructed clearly through the word and by the spirit to not use this freedom to an incentive to our flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness, self-serving. But through love, we are to honor the Lord, number one. We're to honor His people. And we are to serve with a fervent heart in this day, in this hour. Because I'm telling you, these are the last of the last days. And it's not time for us to be sitting in a bar, to be sitting in a casino. It's time for us to be on deck. It's time for all hands to be on deck. Paul said this. He said, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God. This is because of God's mercy that we can be here today and present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which literally the Bible says is your reasonable service. The Amplified says it is your reasonable, rational, intelligent, intelligent people don't waste their life. Intelligent people don't abuse their body. Intelligent people tap into the mercy of God. It is our reasonable, rational, intelligent service. Now listen, and it is our spiritual worship. You presenting your God to God, you're presenting your body to God and not being part of that ungeneration. But saying, Lord, I am yours. I am yours to command. I am yours to serve. My brothers and sisters, it is an act of worship. I said it's an act of worship. The NIV says it is your spiritual act of worship. You will notice in the word of God that ministry and service are used interchangeably. Those words. The word service means to wait on or to attend to. It means to serve. An accurate picture of it is when you go to a restaurant, a waiter or a waitress serves. And here is a major area of mind renewal that we all need to get, including Pastor Mark. That our spiritual service to him is literally worship. One of the ways that you worship God is with your service. Worship is not just singing. It is not just praising. It is not just prophesying. It is not just running around the building. But worship is rendering assistance to be of useful service for the kingdom of God. You see, the most miserable life is the self-serving life. We are not to be useless. We are to be useful. We are not called to be fruitless, but we are called to be fruitful. I just want to say to you today that if you greet at the door, if you serve in the nursery, whether you're on the platform or not, whatever you do in this church, whether you are in we care, 
you are just as much worshiping God as you were just lifting up hands a few moments ago. I serve in the 9 a.m. service. Amen. Relatives may ask you, are you crazy? What are you getting up so early for? I'm on my way to the service. I'm on my way to serve God. I'm on my way to show the love of God. I'm on my way to be an encouragement to the people that are around me. Somebody say amen. Amen. See, you and I were created for service. In Ephesians 2.10, from the NIV it says, For we are God's workmanship. Say with me, I am the masterpiece of God. We are created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. Good works are a good thing. Because when you do good works, you're showing the goodness of God to people all around you. You greeting at the door, you passing out a bulletin, you shaking hands, you giving someone a hug that needs a hug, you smiling is showing the goodness of God. See, we as human beings are here not to do our own thing. We're to do His thing. They got it wrong in the 60s when they sang this song. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you. It is not your thing. It is God's thing. Hallelujah. Brought some of you back. Some of you are looking at me like, what? God didn't put us on earth just to take up space to sit around you'll notice that when Peter's mother-in-law got healed she immediately rose up and began to minister to the master you may be in a season where you have a need but once that need is met get up and serve Better yet, serve him while the need is still there. And you will see the power of God and the anointing of God come upon you in a great way. We're not just called to watch television. To eat, to have a great time and then just die. He's got something for you to do. And part of that involves your ministry, your service. You have been left here for a reason. Matthew chapter 20, chapter, chapter 20, verse 25. I don't have a long word for you today, but I've got a good word. I've got an encouraging word. And many of you have signed up for service, and I'm proud of you. And many of you have served in this church for years and decades and decades and decades. And I say to God, be the glory. But I believe that there's others of you that have been on the sidelines too long. It's time for you to get out of the sidelines and get in all the way in with your service for the Lord. Matthew 20, verse 25. But Jesus called unto them and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and that they, are, and that they, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. 
but it shall not be so among you. For whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. For even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for all. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and serve God with a humble heart. And God will promote you. And God will exalt you. Martin Luther King got it right, Jr., when he said this, everybody can be great. Because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. He said, you only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. And I will add this, generated by the fire of God. We must have this mindset. I'm servant-minded. And I'm giving-minded. You see, service for a Christian is not optional. A non-ministering Christian is a contradiction. A professor in a seminary heard one of the servants, one of his students had received an opportunity to serve in a particular church. But he did not feel that that placement exactly suited his abilities. And the professor overheard the student complaining about it to another student. And then the other student said, you know... The world's a better place because Michelangelo didn't say, I don't do ceilings. And he said, you know, the world's a better place because Abraham Lincoln didn't say, I don't do conflicts. George Washington Carver didn't say, I don't do peanuts. The Wright brothers say, didn't say, I don't do heights. How about Mother Teresa? She didn't say, I don't do... I don't do low-income areas. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't say, I don't do marches. And the world's a better place because Noah didn't say, I don't do boats. (laughs) Abraham didn't say, oh, I'm comfortable. I don't do travel. And Moses didn't say, I don't do mass migrations. David did not sit back and say, I don't do giants. Daniel didn't say, I don't do lion's dens. How about Shadrach, Meshach, come on, and to bed we go. They didn't say, we don't do fiery furnaces. Mary didn't say, I don't do virgin births. Paul didn't say, I don't do correspondence. Can't you see I'm in prison? And Jesus didn't say, thank God, I don't do crosses. See, the Christian, the true Christian says, who can I help? Who can I serve? Oh, the grace of God is a marvelous thing. And just as there is standing grace and sanctifying grace, and sharing grace, and saving grace, there is also serving grace. 
Tony Cook defines serving grace as God's life and power released toward and working in an individual, enabling him to serve God and others with a divinely imparted ability. When you were born again, God put something in you, ma'am. When you were born again, God put something in you, ma'am. He put a gift in you. He imparted Jesus. He imparted the Holy Spirit. And He imparted a divine grace for you to be a blessing. You see, serving grace, it is distributed in various measures according to the choosing of God. Look with me at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. You listen so good. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Having then gives gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Don't try to be something you're not. Just rejoice in the grace God's given you. Don't compare yourself with other people. Look in the mirror and know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, graced and gifted to be a blessing in your generation. Gifts differing. It's according to the grace. What do you say we use them? If prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he who teaches on teaching. He who exhorts on exhortation. Exhorting is a good thing. Good friends exhort one another. Good friends put their arm around each other and say, You know what? Jesus is coming soon and you can make it. You can do it. You can be everything that God called you to be. You can do everything God called you to do. I know I'm preaching pretty good. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You see, the truth of the matter is, People will have certain areas that they're seemingly more inclined in. I'm glad Pastor Tom has an inclination toward music. Amen. I'm glad that we have team leaders that have inclinations toward the areas that they serve in. It's the grace of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11. As each of you have received a gift, say it with me, I believe I receive the knowledge of what my gift is. And that's why we did that spiritual gifts test a couple of weeks ago. We wanted to help you to identify where your gifting is. If you don't know where your gifting is, let us help you. Let us have another class. Let us have a time. Where you can do that and that you can have a greater understanding of your past personality and how God made you and what he's called you to do. As every one of you have received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified in your life through Jesus Christ. To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And everyone shouted aloud, Amen. Amen. You see, we're part of the body of Christ. 
And each part of the body of Christ is a separate and necessary part. I want to quote to you, Mother Teresa. I love this quote. She said, you can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. And together, we can do great things. Together, heart of the bay, we can do great things. Together, heart of the bay, we can see the works that Jesus did and greater works. You come into church and serving in the nursery. You come into church and cleaning this building has a lot more to do with just taking care of children and cleaning the place. It is a ministry that prepares this place for the glory of God to be in manifestation. It's about harvest. It's about souls. It's about the greatest end time sweep of souls we have ever seen. Nothing of significance was ever achieved by an individual acting alone. And I am aware that the Warriors are playing at 1230, but don't get nervous. But I tell you, as good as Draymond Green is, he can't do it alone. As good as Steph Curry is, he can't do it alone. As good as Clay Thompson is, he can't do it alone. As good as Kevin Durant is, he can't do it alone. As good as their centers are, they can't do it alone. But when they pull together, when they get together, when they flow together, they can beat the Pelicans. And as a team leader, you can't do it alone. As a server, you can't do it alone. And you can't do it alone, and I can't do it alone. But together! Together we can give the devil a black eye. Together we can win souls. Together we can see miracles. Woo! We are together with him, and he is together with us. We are co-labors together, together experiencing miracles, together experiencing ministry. Charles Lindbergh, he had the backing of nine businessmen from St. Louis and the services of Ryan Aeronautical Company, which built his plane. Even Albert Einstein, the scientist who revolutionized the world with his theory of relativity, didn't work in a vacuum. Einstein remarked many times a day, I realize how how much my own outer and inner life is built upon the labors of my fellow men, both living and dead. And how earnestly I must exert myself in order to give in return as much as I have received. I think about great men of God that paid great prices for Brendan and I to be in the ministry today. I think of great men and women of God in the Bay Area. In the 1900s, in the 1800s, that prayed and prayed and prayed and sowed their seed of prayer for a mighty revival in the San Francisco Bay Area. 
I think of those men and women of God who stayed in their prayer closets, whose names we don't know. But now is the time for those seeds that have been planted to spring up and to come up. Now is the time for revival. Now is the time for a great flow of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Are you with me in this? Here's what the Bible says. That when they were released from prison for healing a man, they were beaten. They went to their own company. They lifted up their voice to God. God sent a mighty earthquake of glory in the midst of that scene. And they went forth from that place. And many signs and wonders, miracles happened through their lives. And here's what the Bible says about the early church in the book of Acts. And I'm going to quote it because I believe it's what the Spirit of God is saying to this church in the Bay Area. The Bible says that great grace was up on them all. It wasn't just Peter and John. It wasn't just the apostles. But great grace, something, folks, something was upon them. I'm telling you, there's something upon you today. There's something up on this church. And I declare it is the grace of God. It is the goodness of God. It is the glory of God. Shout it with me. Great grace is upon. It's upon all of us. And God equates grace with His favor. Say it with me. Great favor is upon all of us. Look with me in Proverbs nineteen twelve. And we're just about finished. I just wanted to exhort and preach a little while today during this season in our church that all hands must be on deck. That if you were ever going to do what you already know to do in your heart, now's the time to do it. Now's the time for everyone us to be front and center. Read verse 12 with me. The king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion. But his favor is as the dew. How many of you know that dew can be lesser and dew can be greater? There was a time where the dew was less. But I believe we're living in a time where heavy dew is falling on the church. And heavy dew is flowing through the church. It's like fog. It's the favor of God's grace. It's the favor of God upon your life. Put your hand over your heart and say, The favor of God, it is upon me like the dew on the grass. In closing, quickly turn to John chapter 1, verse 16, and we'll notice in the Amplified this glorious verse. Everyone say, Amen. amen. Let's say this a few times For the Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. One more time, real strong. For the Lord That was pretty good, but we need to do it a little bit better. For the Lord Some of you are fixing to step out and to start serving God. You will find that God will meet you there. Even though it may not be exactly where you end up, though your beginning may be small. Your latter end is going to be great. 
Why is that? Because we serve a great God and He's got great grace. And when He pours out His grace on a faithful son or daughter of God, He does it in layers. He does it layer upon layer upon layer. The happiest people that I know on this earth are people that serve God. The most blessed, the most prosperous people that I know in the body of Christ are those that have left their life and said, Lord, I'm yours. Let's read verse 16 with me. This is us. For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor. I pray heaps of blessing on you today. I pray heaps of grace on you today. (laughs) I pray heaps of favor on you today. In the name of Jesus, I'll say, I receive it. I receive it. Oh, I declare grace upon grace. Greater grace in our life. Put your hand on your heart and pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I commit my life afresh and anew. Not to live for myself. Not to be part of the ungeneration. To be, but to be a servant and to serve my brothers and to serve my generation with your great grace upon me. In Jesus' name, help me, Lord, to step in, to step up and to step out into your glorious plan. How many of you say amen? Let's give the Lord a shout. Amen. Glory to God.